0: The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on air on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. If you want to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871 And if you happen to miss this week's show or any other future show, you can go back and listen to us on the Tomahawk Talk podcast streaming. I'm your host, Luke Hazen. Happy to join you on yet another Monday here in Tallahassee as the summer rages on and we get ever closer to Florida State football returning. I know ACC Media Day starts up on Wednesday, I believe, goes all the way to Thursday. We're about 40 odd days away from FSU football back here in Tallahassee, so very excited about that. In the meantime, though, we have plenty to discuss tonight as the NBA Finals near a fantastic conclusion between the Bucks and Suns. A champion is crowned at the Open at Royal St. George, and we get ready for the first reports out of NFL training camp amid other uh, reports and, and other sports continuing on there. But first... Before I introduce my my co-host over here, I do want to take the time on air to apologize for anyone listening that, that tuned in last week and did not get their usual fix of Tomahawk Talk. I was out with a nasty, nasty stomach bug. I'm not going to give you the details because no one wants to listen through that, but I do apologize. Hopefully, that won't happen again. But aside from the usual house cleaning business like that, it is my honor to welcome back to the co-host chair for the night, Sebastian Angel Rihanna. Sebastian, how you doing, bud? I'm
1: doing pretty good. I'm honestly a little sad that we couldn't do the show either. I'm glad that you're feeling much better, though. That's the obviously the most important thing. But uh, I could not gloat last week. Uh, after all, seven um, seven. Um, it was a Wednesday night when the Lightning won their second straight Stanley Cup final. But um, and I couldn't gloat the gloat the ensuing Monday. But um, I, I'm, I'm still enjoying the festivities, even yeah. though you know we're we're a week removed now from the parade.
0: I, I think. That was my biggest regret was not letting you to, to st- let not letting you get to stand on your soapbox and, and and talk about the lightning. Probably picked the worst Monday of all time to be be out for the show considering we had that happen and we had the Euros happen. Yeah, <laughs> with, it's okay with, though. With like, you, can't, you can't
1: pick when you pick and choose when you're sick. It's just you you know you got to do the things that you have to do in order to get healthy as fast as possible, and that's what you did. So. Uh, Whatever we'll we'll have plenty of time tonight if we want to catch up at the back half of the show on anything that we're gonna miss. But exactly. as I understand it, we have uh, some surprises for tonight's show, don't we?
0: Well, we we have a, we have a couple of su- surprises and topics that I want to get into for a second. But but overall, good weekend for you. Anything notable? Good happen?
1: weekend. Really, really quiet. Um, only thing I really watched over the weekend in terms of uh, sports, or really the week rather, was the uh, Formula One race, uh, the the British Grand Prix. Um, big, big race, uh huge, um, implications so we have some time at the end of the show. I'd like to talk about it, yeah. but, uh, we've got, uh, we've got, um, a couple of things to get through first, right?
0: Yes, we do. And I want to take this moment to talk about my weekend because okay. there, there is, there's been something burning on my mind to really quickly run through before we begin. So as you know, a, a sports radio show out here, I think it is our duty to peddle the idea that that Michael Jordan is better than LeBron, right? Oh, absolutely. At least spur up the debate. Absolutely. Well, Sebastian, over the last week, I got the chance to watch the new Space Jam movie. I know. Crazy news. Bigger than any other news we might have for tonight's show, including the NBA Finals, including the Open Championship. It was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. So
1: before we can go forward, we should probably go back and declare our biases here so i personally have not watched the movie as we have discussed um i don't have hbo max i don't have an interest in really watching the movie in the first place and i'm not forking over 20 bones uh to a movie theater um when when delta's on the come up like i'm not i'm not ready (laughs) yet but uh and secondly for you you are a bulls fan you are an a ravenous fan as it was described to me of the first movie and
0: uh going off of that we could probably call you a traditionalist not only am I a Bulls fan, not only am I a Michael Jordan fan, not only am I a Space Jam fan, but I'm a cinephile. Like I it's been known on this show, I work at a movie theater. I have almost every streaming service because I just consume content like that. Yeah. So I I I did get the chance. Thanks actually shout out to FSU through their film program. They actually set up the event on Wednesday at, at our local movie theater establishment here. So it was free of charge. I got to go watch on Wednesday before it even was supposed to come out on Thursday. But, um, man, man, it was it all over the place. LeBron, I do want to give him credit. He was probably the best part about that. Um, either him or, or a very scary version of, of of Don Cheadle playing the the infamous uh, Al G rhythm. The, uh, Warner Brothers algorithm. Oh yeah. you okay. didn't get that real go. quick?
1: I cr- I cr- no, I, I so I, I read it, I read it, right? Al yeah. G and I, I couldn't I couldn't stop reading Al G. So I was like, did they get Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> as like the as the villain? I was confused. But um that's, that's interesting to hear. I, I personally, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of a three D CG taking over the um the corner where traditional two D animation would uh, yeah. would traditionally dominate. That being said, um, there is a big difference in between um, Space, Space Jam the original and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which people would confuse to be the same, basically the same movie, where it's you know two D on a on a, on live action, but in reality, the original Space Jam was also three D CG. I I just think they did a, a better job of it. In all honesty, the, a more awareness from what I've seen, and and, and the things that you you'll think are are two D in the new Space Jam, from what little I've seen are not actually 2D. Those are all 3D rendered. Um, usually using like a, a process where you take a 3D image, you basically make it flat in post. Yeah. And um, it's like an, entire, an entirely new process. It is not new. It's been around forever. But um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of trickery. But the parts where it's very intentionally 3D, where, where Bugs and the Looney Tunes G- crew, to, the Toon Squad, if you will, are in 3D. Just, it just does not look good.
0: No, that was probably the most jarring thing was there's there's a moment in the film where they go from 2D to 3D in the new Space Jam. And my mouth was like on the floor with with how like terrifying they looked at first when they were being.
1: There's this one shot of of Lola Bunny who just looks bug eyed, like no pun intended. But like I I, like I know in, in 2D, like cartoon characters usually have really big emotive eyes. And and 3D then does not work nearly as no, well. No, no, it you're just comes off as scary. Yeah. It,
0: and and of course we're you know I, it's it's a complete joke. We're joking here when we talk about you know the MJ versus LeBron Space Jam versus yeah. Space Jam Two, but in all honesty, like I'm being completely serious here. It is night and day between between Space Jam and Space Jam Two, and, and what they were trying to accomplish with that. Space Jam just, Two, it, a
1: new movie, same old LaFleur. Yeah, just kidding. This
0: is space, space Jam Two, it just comes off as a huge like commercial for Warner Brothers and I'm not going to get here on I'm not going to get here and and denounce Warner Brothers for making a movie like that you know they're you know you got to go get your bag like that but coming from someone who grew up with Space Jam like I at like after school programs and stuff like that in in middle school I would be dumped there till like 6pm watching just old reruns of of VHS from the 90s and Space Jam among others what it was Space Jam and Mighty Ducks those were the two and so Space Jam will always hold a special place in my heart and I, I just think they did a disservice to it. I could not believe it. We did get a big of sighting, though.
1: You did? I I haven't watched <laughs> the movie, and I hate it already infinitely more than I did before. I oh, heard man. whispers of it. I really wish I didn't have somebody right next to me confirm that. I thought it was just one of those things where it's, you know, like, it right after Infinity War came out, um, that's the Avengers of Infinity War. The um the first thing that you would hear is like oh yeah I enjoyed the movie but I I saw like when when Thanos did this completely insane thing or like a like a very exaggerated very clearly not true thing that happened in the movie that I cannot say <laughs> on air as much as I'd like to and I'm taking the time to stop myself from saying it um you know it I thought it was just one of those things where it's like oh this definitely didn't happen though but it, the fact that it did happen upsets me greatly. It's a. I mean, I guess it's more self-aware than than a company like Viacom was. It's Paramount Pictures, uh, was when they uh, they teased Sweet Victory at the Super Bowl, and then it turned out being Sicko Mode by Travis Scott. That was no disrespect to, <laughs> to either parties. It was just the worst bait and switch that you possibly could have done. But um...
0: that that's like the the version. Like this movie was that sort of Super Bowl halftime performance, just all all over the place, just a lot at one time. Yeah. Yeah, and and they make these like thinly veiled references to the original Space Jam without ever sort of crossing I that heard, line. Without
1: without spoiling it, I did hear about one really really good gag that was like probably the only really good joke.
0: It was so bottom of the barrel, low hanging fruit. Was like, it course, really clearly telegraphed? Of course, they were gonna make that joke because they couldn't. And I'm not gonna. This is great radio because we're talking about nothing here. But yeah, of course they couldn't get that one individual to be in it so they had to go out and make that joke about that said person that couldn't be in the movie like that because if the person comes into the movie and, and helps LeBron out then LeBron's legacy is tarnished
1: I always thought forever. that like LeBron would have been a great like honestly like Space Jam 3 character like, like uh, as a protagonist I really thought it should have been even though it wouldn't have been his personality in the slightest because it would have distracted him from the one thing that he would constantly focus on every single day when he was uh, playing was Kobe because I always think of Kobe as the direct successor to Jordan's legacy. MJ?
0: Yeah, I I think I I personally think LeBron's the the best player since Michael Jordan. Kobe's probably the, the most similar to MJ yeah. to to come since since MJ. But LeBron's LeBron was clear a clear successor in my opinion to a Space Jam too. He got you know he got his wish. Oh, shout out to LeBron for for That's been on the works
1: for decades, honestly, though. With Space Jam two with with Braun. Like I feel like I've heard that for at least. I do 15 think
0: years. it's interesting. This is, I think, by far LeBron's worst performance in an actor. Like he's been in train wreck. He's been know. in movies before and he's given some like halfway decent performances. This one was oh it was all over the place. Not the worst film I've seen this year though. That would go to uh, Tom and Jerry. One Tom and Jerry. Both of, them, both
1: of them did not do very well in terms of box office revenues. Now, I have to say that, like, this movie apparently has done it very well. Like, it's hard it's hard for us to, for, for people who aren't in that space all the time, maybe like you or maybe like former host Brett Rutherford, who yeah. cannot stop talking about movies. Um, it's hard to adjust, like, mentally our sliding scales for people not in that industry yeah. or in that space um, to what determines a success Post- oh, it was abs- COVID. it knocked
0: Black Widow away. I think this weekend, so like it it performed well at the box office, and that's which what is, Warner Brothers wants. Which is crazy. Like, I, I think that's that is a that
1: I think it's re- insane that we're talking about a Marvel movie like coming up, you know, coming second at a at a box office yeah. release. That is that's crazy. And I know that like we we now are in a time, additionally adding to the post COVID mix, you know, where um, a release date is just midnight. On your couch, waiting for the streaming service to update, basically.
0: Brett and I were actually having this conversation the other day about, you know, the losing the the the, the charm and going to a theater like that. Aside from like all the usual traditions, you have like getting popcorn and stuff like that. Like that's always yeah. going to stick with me. But even like a movie like Godzilla vs Kong, for instance, that's a theater movie. That's a theater movie. And for for most movies, I think it's going to be better in a theater. But for I, Space Jam 2, I would probably recommend just I, sitting on the couch. Do not.
1: I think what you'll get is you'll get studios where you'll have two in like studios will internally fight for certain movies to be like in theaters. There will be directors that will say, no, this movie belongs in a movie theater uh, for a time, maybe 40 and 50 for the next 40 to 50 years yeah. where there has been a generation, enough generations that have gone. This is how we have consumed this medium for this kind of scope for this period of time, and that it's going to remain with us for as long as we possibly can keep it. Uh, now, for me personally, the sell for movie theaters has never been, like, the movie theater itself, because it's kind of gross. The uh, floor is oh, sticky all the I time. Oh, I can com- well, um, yeah, I can confirm. Yeah. Uh, prefer not- <laughs> I would advise you not to speak in this moment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but for me, it's, like, it's the popcorn, the hot dogs, with way too much, like, butter on said popcorn, and way too much ketchup on said hot dog, and Just, just oh, enjoying time out, time out. Oh, right, time, right, out. Right, time, right. Out, time bias, out, time out. Ah, man, I, I picked the wrong thing to say in front of out. somebody who who at least has Chicago affiliations. I forgot that is, that is high treason. For it's not a Chicago
0: thing, man. You go to New York, you go to any place. What do you mean? Th- I'm th- from
1: New York. You can put it, th- nobody cares. They're just like, get out of the way of the condiment section so I can actually eat this. Just on the record. Sebastian, you're
0: you're a noted ketchup on a hot dog guy.
1: Ketchup on a hot absolutely, and I like wear that on my chest. I put ketchup on whatever I want. That's you know what? You can't you can't tell me what to do with ketchup for God's sakes.
0: This this just took a turn for the worse. This is this, this is There is I don't know no if you can you, I don't know if you can co-host anymore. There is all right, all Visible right. disappointment. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like there's there's just a, like a gasp I let out. Ketchup on a hot dog. Jesus. Yeah, I
1: mean, this is very clearly like. You say like, "Oh no, I'm not from Chicago," but this is a very Chicago attitude to go about ketchup on a hot dog. This is like high treason on a Vienna sausage for you people. We'll See, on. there it is. You, we'll the <laughs> face I've never seen Luke Hazen with this face. This is this is like stunning him. I have I have basically I committed you like for an it, act against God. Like what I I I've done you is blasphemy.
0: Yeah, not the worst thing in the world, but certainly a it's shocking. It's up there. It's up there. Yeah. Moving on to some actual basketball news. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a fantastic finals between the Bucks and the Suns that's taking place. We were on air two weeks ago, kind of previewing the series, talking about the potential for this series to be the best since, you know, throw any sort of series like that. 2016,
1: 2011, 2014, something like all that. Mentions.
0: By the way, one series we did not name because it is objectively a boring series, the 2017 Cavs-Warriors finals. Of course, Kevin Durant comes on Instagram or something like that and says, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Like we're we're talking about final, like most entertaining finals, like twenty seventeen Cavs Warriors. Like that was a, that was a battle. I'm pretty sure the Warriors won four to one. Was not really close. That. What do you think about that, Kevin Durant? Was something that, like that was
1: two thousand seventeen or two thousand eighteen? The uh, J.R. Smith game as so game two, one.
0: Yeah, two thousand. That was two thousand seventeen. Okay,
1: so I mean, I, it was a four one series, but at the end of the day, it could have been a. Like, how does that series change with the, uh, I don't, the Cabs taking is. a one lead in the series? Is it just like a a, a gentleman see- sweep with less steps than it actually came out, or is it this is a six game series? Because a six game series is very different from a game fi- or a five game series. I don't know. I'm... Uh, but I. But I would agree. Like that is, that was not a very seri- on brand that not for a, Kevin. That was yeah. That was not an NBA Finals. That was an NBA formality. Um.
0: Right, because that was the same year that the the Rockets. If I'm. I might be thinking of 2018, but the Rockets with Chris Paul pushed them to the absolute limit. That yeah. was really the NBA Finals matchup, not between the Cavs. But anyway, the ultimate folly
1: yeah. with with like that series in particular is just like 2016 produced one of the best Finals in history. right? You were never going to live up to, to that sort of series. Yeah, you're, it's impossible to follow it up. But at the same time, those those two teams were a hair's width apart, right? And then you add <laughs> one of the greatest shooters of the right. 20, one of the greatest shooters of the 21st right. century, who literally has an unblockable shot. Or as uh, Matisse Thibault would uh, beg to differ, but um, it's a it, and the the equation just throw it out the window because it's not right. The Warriors equal anymore. We
0: talk about 2016 being a classic you can never live up to. Yeah, the Warriors after that were going to make sure that the next series they played in was not going to be uh, an instant classic like that. Yeah, they made sure of that. But we do have an instant classic. I think the way that these last, especially these last couple of games, have played out. Um, we have an instant classic between the Bucs and Suns. Suns obviously won both games in the desert to start. Went up 2 nothing, yeah. And the Bucs went down 0-2 like they have against the Brooklyn Nets. And were therefore dominant in Game 3. They won a close game. That's the one with Giannis in the block in Game 4. Went a close game there. Chris Paul turns the ball over late. And then we get a Game 5, I think, for the ages on Saturday and I wasn't you you caught the ending there with Giannis probably the 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 highlight the signature moment of his career so far with the the steal by Drew Holiday the subsequent lob to Giannis and oh, the, one finish
1: a heartbreaking jam for for Phoenix Suns just man. an
0: absolute heartbreaker there in in a game where the Bucks were down 16 to start after the first quarter then they were up by three I think at at halftime and then they get a lead they almost blow it in the fourth the Suns almost come back and then they shut the door they hush the crowd in Phoenix and we're going back to Milwaukee for a game six where the Milwaukee Bucks could win their first NBA championship since 1971 that's a long time they had Kareem back then and they might have their own version of Kareem in today's world with Giannis and the way that he's performed in this series it's absolutely marvelous stuff what he's been able to do especially in their three games, having been down 0-2. Uh, the way that he's performed these last games, him and Drew Holiday have been outstanding. What, what can you say about him, Sebastian? I
1: mean, we what were the two things that we harped on the most um, going in two weeks ago when we last spoke? We said Phoenix yeah. had a big man problem. Phoenix had a big man problem, and that if the role players um, could step up and, and produce at the rate that they needed to, um, which is just not even keep up with Giannis, but just, you know... Ma- matches steps, you know, t- take part in the dance. I guess yeah. um, that this series would go long, and here we are going into a, a game six, where Bucks and the prophetic Bucks and Six could actually be fulfilled uh, for once. I I just I'm blown away at I I knew Giannis was going to be good this series because again big man problem. But I'm blown away at how good he's actually been. I didn't uh, like reports of the big man death in the NBA small ball league like I've been greatly exaggerated as right. we've very clearly cool. seen um either Ooh, way I don't yeah. really this is coming from a guy who doesn't really have a dog in a fight for me I, I I just don't like it's not that I'm apathetic to I either team I'm I'm thrilled that this is the matchup we got because this was the the matchup that I wanted um from the get go, apart from maybe a a Hawks Suns matchup, that would have been the dream matchup. Yeah, you for you me. were going for it would have been out. it would have been like a, the worst nightmare for the league because there's no like, the league thinks that there's no marketability in dudes under the age of 25. But um, <laughs> but what the the way we got this, I mean, we've been spoiled. Right. Giannis has put on like a, a a show that is worth the price of admission. I would like like the time is running out for for Chris Paul, who's very clearly hurt. Like he's just still hurt. He's been hurt. He's played hurt the you entire. You think so? I I think, I think he's, he's just
0: played bad the last couple of games. Yeah.
1: To be completely, I like. I think. I think there's a correlation. You can't play great when you're not hurt or when you are hurt.
0: Right, but th- then what explains his performances in in games one and two when he's dropping thirty and he, he's having over ten assists and he's leading Phoenix and he's orchestrating their offense to peak efficiency, and then the last three games, he hasn't played bad, but down the stretch, he's you know he had the game for the infamous turnover there. That, that kind of sealed the game for them. And then in, in Game 5, that, that second and third quarter where Phoenix just gets in a rut and they can't make anything, and they still ended up shooting like sixty percent from three. Like, they're they're taking a lot of threes. They're making a lot of threes. It just doesn't matter because I think the defense is sort of— I, really, I think, I really I think Phoenix defense is just gassed.
1: I, I really don't think it's a matter of, you know— um, Phoenix is not, for me, a team that beats themselves. I think they're a team that you have to go out and beat. I think it's just what happens. Uh, that's just what happened. Uh, Chris Middleton has dropped, I think, 40 points in the last two games. Um, and if you're going to drop 40 in the other team's barn, then you're going to win the game. Full stop. If you have two, two, at least two players that put up that production, you will win the game, I believe. I firmly believe that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's... I would love to see... Like I said, I'd love to see this go to seven. I don't really see it. If uh, First of all, you're playing Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, it's a brutal place to play. Um, it's shown to be the most difficult place to play.
0: I believe they have only lost that. They lost Game One against the Hawks at home, undefeated aside from that game throughout the postseason at home, including Games Three and Four in this NBA Finals. So you're you're right. It's a daunting task. What, what Sebastian? Do the Suns have to do? What adjustments can they possibly make against the the Bucks if they want to force a Game Seven, though? Like it's not it's not a formality. It's not like the Bucks are just going in there and it's not a crowning. Like the couple of games they played at home have been close, so I, I there's got to be something the Suns can do, right?
1: I mean, a uh, game six is just where you kind of burn everything because if you burn everything, then you've you've planted the seed of doubt in the other team's brain, uh, in the other team's mind. You're going back home. You're um, you're going to be the 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 team that can say like. We got this. We we can. We're playing in our barn. We can. We believe. We believe. And that's what the valleys. The valleys like motto has been this entire season. It's it's we believe. I think that I, I if I I can't point to anything in particular honestly yeah. because uh, what do you want me to say? Like you hope that Chris Middleton has a bad night. You hope that <laughs> you know um, D Book can drop fifty. Like I mean, uh, Booker's
0: you- been dropped. Like he he and Giannis are the the only. I think they they basically made a record Devin Booker who has dropped 40 in in two or more games this series and Giannis who have dropped two or more 40 point games this series I think they're the only combination of players to do it in NBA finals history and if it's not the case then the last time was like I don't know the eight obviously the 80s with, the 80s. with bird
1: magic or something well like that. if okay so let's let's think about this if the it was Game Five where the Suns struggled a lot in the third, right? Absolutely. They yeah, they, yeah. Held, they had the lead going into the half. They um, so I, I suppose you could make a case for the adjustments that Bud is making on the sidelines are um, better than what you're seeing from like Phoenix.
0: Yeah, but it was, shout, shout out to Mike Budenholzer, by the way. You know he's a game away from winning the his first NBA Finals as a head coach, but he has gotten I think so much crap from Bucks fans and regular nba fans the last couple of years for for his inability to make adjustments
1: if they didn't make it out of like the if they didn't at least like put up a fight in the conference finals i think he would have been canned Uh, absolutely i think that was very clearly the the expectation for him universally like in the league in milwaukee um and at the front office it's like if you can't figure this out this year like that's it for you right
0: but he did and and he has figured it out because because and here's what i want to go back to He figured it out because ladies and gentlemen, he's a good coach. Like he won Coach of the Year in Atlanta. He bested the Cavs with that Hawks team. They had the number one seed. I know they ended up losing because, you know, surprise, surprise, LeBron wins another series against a a a more formidable all around team than him. That's uh, you know, that's not shocking anyone. But Budenholzer has also won Coach of the Year in Milwaukee. Let's not forget that before he went to Milwaukee in twenty nineteen, Giannis was a great player, and all-star player, but he was not the MVP and defensive player of the year that we know him today. Mike Budenholzer kind of revitalized that Milwaukee offense, made it into a number 1 seed, made it into the team that we know now, and is one win away from coaching. So, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Mike Budenholzer there. Um, really quick before we wrap up the first half here, though, Sebastian. Uh, if the Bucks were go- to go on to win the NBA Finals in Game 6, or in Game 7 for that matter, who, in your opinion, should win NBA Finals MVP? I mean, is it the, the obvious pick?
1: I it is the obvious. Pick. Yeah, there is literally no other right. pick than the most obvious pick. I mean, this is not the the Kons-Math Trophy um, two weeks ago. Where is trying like, to get uh, cute with it? Uh, yeah, where you, it's like, oh, okay, you could you could maybe make a case for Vasilevsky, but I mean, this game, this this team doesn't win without Kucherov. Like, it's not it's not one of those cases. I, I like, congrats, Chris Middleton can play as he's been paid to play. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think this is just, you know, Jan- I'm, I would be immensely satisfied with Giannis' performance. I think he's, he's zigging when the league is zagging in terms of, you know, compiling teams or just, uh, you know, oh, well, I can't win here, so I'm going to Brooklyn. Or, or oh, I can't win here, so I'm going to L.A. Um, or I need to go to a bigger market because that's the only place where I can win. Um, yeah. instead of, you know, focusing and trying to develop something yeah. big. Not also, everybody can do it, but not everybody has Giannis, I guess. Yeah,
0: I, I do think Giannis is by far the, the the finals MVP, but I do shout out to the Bucs front office. Like, we talk about players leaving because they don't get enough help or they don't think that they, they get enough help, like KD or LeBron or something like that. The Bucks saw an issue with Eric Bledsoe this last year when they lost to Miami in the bubble. They went out and replaced him. They went out and got Drew Holiday, and look at him now. Drew Holiday has absolutely been a... Pivotal, pivotal, uh, third All Star caliber player for the Bucks just dropped twenty seven in a game, and and when Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis are all dropping 20, 30 plus like that, this Bucks team is gonna be impossible to stop. Real quick, what's your what's your pick for Game Six?
1: Game Six, ah, uh, Bucks and Six. Who cares? Bucks and Six. Um, ultimately, no, yeah, I, I do want to play one last. I want to say one last thing about yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, honestly. Where it's like, um, everybody, everybody can say, oh yeah, uh, X Y Z needs help. Um, it's not like easy to do that because if you make one bad decision on, um, oh, who needs help? Well, your superstar that needed help is probably gone because it's clearly not working. Two years removed from getting help, supposedly. Yeah. Um, you're now screwed because of um, the cap. So like you, it's kind of like a very rarely is it a win-win situation for everybody involved. And uh, hats off to Milwaukee, they didn't. They they are now one step closer to it, one step away from being um, there at the summit. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think we do get a, a championship crowned in, in Milwaukee, but if Milwaukee does lose, I'm picking the Bucks and seven or Suns and Seven. Suns and Seven. Here's, Here's i I'll, I'll go Bucks and Six, Suns and Seven, if it comes to that. That has been the first half of our show here on Tomahawk Talk on a very laid back Monday here in Tallahassee. We'll be right back. Second half of Tomahawk Talk here in Tallahassee. Sebastian and Rianna, my co-host. I am your host, Luke Hazen. As we we're sort of just wrapping up some NBA Finals talk, Sebastian obviously has Bucks in six, I have Bucks in six, Suns in seven if it does get to that point. But we are pleased to welcome in another f- surprise guest on the show today, a former host of the show, former, kind of did everything here at, at, at V89, Gary Putnick. Gary, how you doing, bud?
2: I'm doing good, Luke. How
0: about you? Can't complain too much. It was, you know, I, I kind of went off on a tangent in the first half. I got to see Space Jam Ooh, on Wednesday. I, I got, I got I'd a like s- sneak preview. Got to see it before anyone else did on Wednesday. Uh, it, it was an absolute disaster, Gary. I, oh I, I got to admit. No, now I want to get your opinion on it. You have you seen the movie yet?
2: No, I haven't, but I plan on going to see it. I'm I'm going in there with lowered expectations. It is a children's movie, lest we forget.
0: <laughs> that is, see, that's what I
1: thought. See, like, a children's movie is such, like, a terrible cop-out, though, for a movie. Like, a children's movie can be a children's movie, but a children's movie can also not suck.
0: No, but yeah, here's, right. here's what I'll say, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, there are absolutely, like, adult references in the movie. Like, they clearly have aimed part of the movie to, to be for adults, so... I think, that I gotta agree with the Sebastian, I think it's lazy to just call it a kid's movie. Especially when the kids that grew up watching Space Jam and idolized it like I did, we're, we're adults now, they gotta keep us in mind, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah, once again, I mean, Space Jam 2, it wasn't Citizen Kane, it's not any of the great movies <laughs> of yesterday, but... I mean, yeah, it's. I'm mean, I'm going into lowered expectations. I saw what ESPN did to LeBron when he was on the sideline. They flashed the IMDb score and everything uh, <laughs> during game. What was it five?
0: Yeah. What's really quick before we get into some some open championship talk because I know that's what we really brought you on here for. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what's been your read on the NBA Finals? I know you've been paying somewhat close attention to that.
2: Man, I've been I've been pulling for the Suns. I just I'm not a fan of the Bucks. Obviously, they beat my heat in the first <laughs> round. They swept them pretty badly, and I've just been pulling for Phoenix in this one. And I mean, credit to Milwaukee—they played a great game on uh, the other night, and they Saturday. did a great job coming back because it looked like Phoenix was going to run run away with it for a little bit. But somehow, some way, Giannis and the rest of the guys—Middleton and Holiday—were able to work it all back together.
0: Yeah. How how painful is that gonna be as a Miami Heat fan to to vanquish the Bucks last year, get close to an NBA championship, and then they pull the exact opposite on you this year, and now they're if they win a championship, they're gonna be parading around probably when they go back to Miami, and that's gonna be a very salty series next year.
2: Oh oh yeah. Exactly. I'll, I'll be very salty when they come back. Giannis does a very good job at pushing a lot of buttons for Heat fans, so I think it's it's not going to be fun if they do win this
0: for yeah. us Heatles. <laughs> yeah, where, where does where does that stem from? I I don't get your irrational Giannis here. I'm I'm a huge Giannis guy. I'm pulling for I'm, the Bucks, but I want to. Where does that stem from?
2: I don't know. It it really just doesn't make any sense. He's just one of the guys. I just I don't know where it comes from. Where I don't really like him. I. I I see some stuff on social media every now and then, and, like, I enjoy it. But, like, I don't know, it's just maybe that he's not a complete player and he just simply relies on one aspect of his game to kind of get where he is going. But, obviously, that one aspect of his game is phenomenal.
1: Maybe it's the fact that down in South Florida they hate winners. I mean, we saw uh, the Panther series, right? Oh,
2: my goodness,
1: man. We had As,
2: winners, but we had the We went to four straight finals, man.
0: Right. How many did you win? L- listen, Gary, Ooh. I'm I'm Ooh. I'm letting Sebastian go off a little bit about the Lightning today because I, he didn't get to on last week's show. I was out sick. So this is sort of Sebastian's coming out party. He gets to parade the Lightning a little bit. I have, oh, I man.
2: Was, I was hoping I would be coming in a week removed and be like, okay, Sebastian will have settle down. You can't escape my can fallout, a nice Gary. About NBA playoffs, maybe, and the Open, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, right, we're gonna get yeah, we're gonna yeah, get I'll right leave into you guys
1: that. to the open. That's for sure.
0: So, Gary, <laughs> it was actually a just a, a remarkably beautiful, beautiful week and weekend at Royal St. George in, in Sandwich, England, over there for the Open Championship. We obviously did not get one last year. Shane Lowry was, I guess, the the two time defending champion golfer of the year. By the way, just a crazy good title. I think that might be my favorite title. Of, of all major sports, getting to be named Champion Golfer of the Year for winning one tournament, one Lynx tournament out of the year. It, it's just irrationally the best. But uh, this year, we have a new champion. Colin Morikawa, at the tender age of 24, wins his second major championship in his first run at it here at the Open Championship after just winning the PGA Championship in his first run at that last, what, August, I want to say? Mm-hmm. um He becomes the first player I believe in in golf history to have won his first major at his first start in two different majors um so just incredible stuff. not even the cat did that I think so I want to get your just your initial reaction to Colin winning a, a major championship like that and just your your impressions of the the tournament as a whole.
2: I mean I loved I loved Royal St. George's. I thought it was a very cool venue to watch. I I took a look at the golf digest, uh, every hole at Royal St. George's video before the tournament started on Monday. As we do.
0: As we do. And
2: yeah. it was it's such a cool place. I love the fairways, how they all kind of bend one way or bend the other in terms of just sloping. And that not even a perfect drive down the middle is guaranteed to be on the fairway by the time it is done rolling. That's what I think is so cool about it. Yeah. But I also, I, I thought I just I just enjoyed the whole overall atmosphere. It was great having the British fans back in attendance there because obviously they kind of got screwed and they didn't get a, a championship last year. So it was great seeing them back out. But about Colin, I read something earlier. I read something on Sunday morning about Colin and his play and his specifically his equipment going into this week after he played the Scottish Open over at the Renaissance up in Scotland. He changed his uh, three of his irons out of, changed three of his irons in his bag. I believe he was playing with PI or P70 or I70s or something like that, one of the tailor made big uh, brand clubs. And he then switched to another club that was three clubs that were more forgiving. And those three clubs were his, I believe, his seven, eight, and nine, more of his mid irons where he loves to use them. So that was an interesting decision there because a lot of his clubs when he was playing in Scotland, they weren't really flying through, and he was hitting a lot of balls right. He wasn't able to cut through the grass the way he wanted to, and that little change to his irons really propelled him to this win.
0: Yeah, just, just some impressive stuff overall, and you know, throughout the tournament, it almost got to, to be ad nauseum them talking about Collins' interview before before the week started, talking about how the Scottish Open and getting the reps over there and and sort of getting a feel for for playing on that sort of grass, for playing on that sort of course, sort of prepared him for, for this, but how much can he really... Pre- I mean, he has never played in a major championship over here in England. He's never played in in the Open Championship. For him to go out and win in his first try at it, what does that say about the, the the sort of statement he's making for for young players like him? Obviously, there's no one else in his class, as much as we want to give credit to Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland and the other guys in his class. No one's touching this guy right now, so to, for him to make a statement winning his second major and only his first start here. What does that say about his future in, in the upper echelon of golf, Gary?
2: I mean, I just think if he can keep the same mentality that he's been able to keep in his young career so far, he's 24 years old right now, if he can keep that same mentality throughout it, he's going to be very successful. And not like Tiger or Jack, that's ultra successful, that's the the, the best of the best. But he's going to be revered as one of the better players of this era by a time if he can stay consistent enough because you can't plan on winning two majors a year. He, grand. You got to remember this was two majors in one season. This was the super season of golf. It started with the PGA and it ended with this open in terms of majors of super season. So he really is just impressive in that way. I don't, I don't really know if there's going to be that many guys in this class that he came up with the Wolf or the Hovland guys that are going to be able to keep up with him just at the way that he's going at it. Cause he seems unflappable at the moment.
0: Right. I think more than anything, and, and this goes for the veteran players, the the players that we kind of hold up to the light, the DJs, the Rorys, the Brysons, the Brookses. Colin Morcow, I think, what stands him apart from the rest and the reason he's able to have success at this young age, his mental game right now, Gary, is by far, I think, the best in all of golf, one might say. I, They, they talked about it on Sunday, just his, his facial expressions, his mannerisms, the way he would react after a good shot, a good putt, a bad shot, a bad putt, what have you. I mean, he was a stone cold killer out there on, on Sunday. And that's so tough for a guy that young to have that revered of a mental game. What, what can you say about that, the mental game?
2: I, I'm wholeheartedly agreeing with you on that. I mean, like, you just look I'm just looking down, up and down the leaderboard, just trying to compare him to some other guys in terms of like how they handle themselves through play. You look at John Rahm. John Rahm can just explode sometimes on the course, throw a club, do whatever. Yeah. Brooks Kepka was a club thrower, was a club snapper when he was in college and in high school. So, I mean, he's still, you can't really kick those old habits like that easily, but obviously he's done a good job of it. DJ, I think he's probably close to the DJ. DJ really doesn't show any emotions when he's out there. He's pretty just stoic and doesn't really let anything bother him. But yeah. I mean, it's really impressive what he's done. And I, it's, I would not have thought he would have had the Open and the PGA if you told me that before the PGA last August.
0: Yeah. Not not at all. I mean, the best compliment I can give Colin for his performance not not only on on the entire week but especially on Sunday was I started to like irrationally despise him for what he was doing. It was just so methodical. Of course he goes bogey free four under on on Sunday to to not a walk you know, not a runaway victory, not a crowning because obviously my my guy is, is right behind him two strokes back for most of the day. But I don't I don't know what it is. The 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 fact that he I think it really showed on number 17. Or number 17 was sort of the last challenge he had where he hits one left of the green in the rough and he's got to get up and down, or it's gonna be a one stroke lead heading on to 18 for him. And no reaction whatsoever, gets up there. Puts one about four to five feet, takes his lumps, and 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 promptly just sinks the putt and kind of ends any chance that that Jordan Spieth had there. Uh, it was just incredibly boring to watch, Gary, in in the best way possible. I could put that.
2: Well, yeah, with your with your like affinity to Jordan Spieth, I can see why you kind of had a little bit of an irrational <laughs> hatred developing for Morikawa. It's kind of like. What you were saying about me and my little bit of irrational hatred for Giannis. It's he, you see him beating your guys or your guy, and you don't like him. So you want him to fail and you want him to stumble. But obviously, Collins wasn't that. He knew how to kind of manage this course and manage himself for not letting things go up like Louis Ousthason had. Which hole was that where he was in the bunker going back and forth and back and forth? I mean, Louis had a chance, and Louis blew that chance what, again.
0: What is his deal, Gary? I've had you on. Well, we've been on for the PGA Championship. We talked about Phil. I had you on for the U.S. Open Championship, and now I have you on again. What on earth is Louis Oosthuizen's deal? Because he's been in the same position, I think, for all four majors this year. Gary, he's been the best golfer on tour this year in major championships, in terms of just the performance he's given, except when it gets to Sunday and he chokes it away. What I say it again. What is Louis Oosthuizen's deal when it gets to these Sundays?
2: I... I don't think he has that second gear that you see a lot of these guys have. You saw more have that second gear with those last uh, three nines that he played out bogey free. But Louie, you never see him like have that killer instinct to step on the thro- step on the throat there and really finish the job. He kind of just hopes that everyone else will kind of fade back. It seems like, and he never makes like any big pushes to maybe try and step on the throat. So, I mean, it's concerning because he is great. He's the best putter on tour this year by far. And when you have a T2 at the PGA, a second place in outright at the U S open, then a T3 at the open, it's just mind numbingly crazy. Cause obviously he's done this before. He has the, was it, he has the, uh, the grand uh, slam of second place, second place finishes. finishes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, like where is that last little piece that helps you shut a door? Because, when you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six second place finishes in majors, there's something wrong. And it's and like some people have said, where it's like, oh, it's just everyone else plays better than him. He does nothing wrong to lose it. But you could argue by him doing nothing wrong, like just by kind of sitting there passively playing, he's doing something wrong.
0: Right, Pl- playing passive golf like that on a Sunday is is perfectly fine. Until you make the one mistake that you just can't make. At the U.S. Open, it was on 17 where he goes left into the ravine down there. The one place that you can't miss. Mm-hmm. This time, he goes right on a par 5. You absolutely cannot miss it right over towards those those bunkers. He gets himself up against one of those pot bunkers there. You know he's not getting up and down for par there. And yet, for whatever reason, he chose to take that on. It's just... Little mistakes like that, especially when you're playing passively like Louis does on Sundays, you just can't have it. And I, I'm I'm just afraid that right now there's just too much scar tissue there. I don't know if we're gonna get a, a better chance for Louis to win his second major than than we did this last super season.
2: Yeah, I mean Zinger said it best at the start of the broadcast or start of uh round on Sunday. He said this is gonna be his last best this is gonna be his his last real big chance to win a major, and I don't know if it's going to be his last, but it's a big chance missed.
0: Oh no! I I I firmly believe he's going to have more chances because he does it every single major. It seems like I just oh man, the way he was playing the first couple of days, I thought I thought this was his best chance.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, another shoot. I mean, like it's just mine. its crazy that he just can't get it done. But I I got another person that I want that we need to talk about. That yeah, well, made a lot of headlines this week as he always does, for for better or for worse,
0: Gary. That's, it wouldn't it wouldn't be an interview with Gary Putnick on Tomahawk Talk if we weren't talking about golf and we weren't talking about Bryson DeChambeau. So I'm going to mm-hmm. let you have the floor to kind of kind of tell everyone what happened and and your take on Bryson DeChambeau's drama there. All
2: right. So on the first round of the Open, uh after his round, he went to the press conference. He didn't arguably he didn't have a great day out there. I think I believe he shot one over so. But he comes into his press conference. They asked him kind of what went wrong. What do you need to do to improve? And he flat out said in his interview that the driver sucks. And speaking about the physical driver, speaking about the item itself. And he said the driver sucks He says he's living on the razor's edge. And (laughs) he just can't get it all done. And I think DJ or Justin Thomas put it correctly on Instagram. I saw him have a comment somewhere. I think it was on one of the Golf Digest posts or something. He said, "Man, I, when you're swinging 135 miles an hour and you don't hit the ball straight, I didn't, I didn't think that was possible." Or he's like, he made some kind of snarky comment about right. Bryson not hitting the ball straight for swinging as fast as he does. But Bryson got said that, and then Cobra, his club provider, his equipment provider, didn't really like that too much. So they made a comment saying he was acting like an eight. It's like he's an eight-year-old. You know, he didn't really mean it, but at the end of the day, he said it still. Mm-hmm. They also what else? they also said that um, they I don't know they just didn't like what he had to say and rightfully so because they make the clubs and they also said that he's when it comes to building these new clubs they always have people working in R and uh, research and development constantly and that Bryson's never happy with what they're putting out and it's yeah, crazy like, it I don't is. know what your take was on all this because I know you do stand for Bryson every now and then and this one's like man you just gotta shut up
0: so so I I I, I go to bat for Bryson. As a character, as a heel on tour, and as a player, because the dude's still extremely uh, talented of a player. Like people saying that he sucks, get your mind out of it. like he is one of the best players on tour. But in this instance, it's it it was childish eight year old behavior from Bryson once again. The the idea that uh, and my jaw dropped because it's so common sense to me. He said, "Yeah, man, I was just mishitting the ball with my driver, and for whatever reason, it was going into the rough." On my drives, like no Bryson, no crap. Your ball was going to go into the rough when you miss hit on a drive that you're, you're swing at nearly two hundred miles an hour. It's it was ridiculous. He was trying to justify his bad play uh, in in another open championship like that where he's never really had success. So yeah, I can't I can't really defend him right there.
2: Yeah, you. I forgot he said that too. He said uh, we're trying to make the mishits better or mishits good. It's like that's an oxymoron, man. You can't do that. Miss, like it's objective and subjectively looking at things, but like you can't. There's no such thing as a good mishit. Golf,
0: and- golf, golf. Seriously, has a problem. If he's gonna, if golfers like him, with the equipment that they're using, are expecting mishits to still be somewhat good on the fairway. That's that's I, not golf, especially especially at places, at, at links courses like this. That's not golf.
2: And I hope, and and I honestly, I kind of hope for the r and the USGA to look at that comment there from Bryson and just say, hmm, uh, we were talking about rolling stuff back last yeah. year and the year before that. This might just be the thing where that pushes it over the edge when Bryson's trying to make his mishits good.
0: Yeah. Well, one other thing about the bright, you saw his apology right on Instagram.
2: Oh, half, yeah. Like, not half baked, I'll put it that way.
0: Like, like clockwork, I saw right underneath it, someone had edited the apology so that the very end read, and there's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. Oh, no.
1: Every, <laughs> every time, anytime I read a baseball headline, it's just, and, and
0: any apology. You could write any apology, notes app or otherwise. It doesn't matter. If you put that Tom Brenneman quote on the end of it, I will burst, uh, burst into flames laughing. It, it mm. works nonstop.
2: Did you see the video that somebody, I think it was Deep Fried Egg on Twitter, he put it out, and it was a a, a, a Cobra commercial of all like the yep. people swinging the drivers. It was like Ricky Fowler, <laughs> Shot Guy, uh, Lexi Thompson, and then it got to Bryson at the end. He swings it, and then they cut in the audio from his interview saying, this driver sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, Gary, one last thing I'm going to touch on before we let you go here talking about the Open Championship here on Hawk Talk. You know, it wasn't, a championship level week from from Team Hazen with 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 and, and Spieth over there, but it was still a pretty darn good week for both of those guys, especially Jordan, who comes up two strokes short. He shoots a four under on on, on Sunday. There, is it fair to say that Jordan is back? Can no, I get you he's to admit not that? Back. <laughs> Can I get you to admit that?
2: I I said he's not back. I mean, it's just like the same thing. I had this argument with the other Luke Luke Fay about Tiger when Tiger was making the push to come back. I said. I will admit Tiger's back when he make when he wins oh, the major man. and I will admit Pete's back when he wins his major. Well, is there any so,
0: chance I mean, come on Gary, you're going to leave me with like 260 days or something until our next major. I have all that time to envision Jordan winning the Masters. Is there any chance Jordan doesn't win it next year?
2: I, I I don't know. I the way that he's playing right now. If he keeps it up, I think he's got a chance to win either the Masters or the Open because those are the two that are always fit his play styles.
0: So. That that's another thing I was going to ask you. At this point, with his performances at both, he's got one win at each one, and yet everyone always seems to think that the Masters is Jordan's tournament to lose. There, I I think it's the opposite, and I think the way that he talks about the Open Championship at all these different links courses, I think he thinks the same things. I think this is his tournament to lose.
2: Yeah, especially after that comment, I think he was talking about it on Thursday or during the practice rounds, where he was just talking about the creativity that he can kind of get into when it comes to shot shaping, where to bounce the ball, where to land, and what to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool, and it really does make me think that he he feels really comfortable out of this kind of these kind of places.
0: Yeah. Well, Gary, we we got to let you go here as we, we kind of wrap up the show here in the in the final waning minutes like that. Um, what have you? What do you have anything any projects going on or something like that that you want to talk to us about though? No,
2: I'm just still looking for a job out here, man. I'm just hoping and waiting on something. So, hey, if anything comes across your desk that y'all see and you think would work, send it my way.
0: Yeah. Get up here so we can play around at Capital City. How about that? Yes.
2: I, I'm hoping as of right now, I don't know how the way the job search will work out, but if things go right or things don't go right, I might be up in Tallahassee come first weekend of the football season. So, hopefully, I can be up there for that and maybe sneaking around.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, Gary, we appreciate you being on the show here on another Monday. Good talking golf with you, man.
2: Great talking with you guys. All
0: right. See you, Gary. Yep. That was Gary Putnick joining Tomahawk Talk for most of the second half here.
1: Always nice to have him on. Honestly. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and Sebastian, I know that was riveting conversation for you. but I was thrilled. I want to follow up here with a little more riveting conversation for you. Uh, F1. Oh. F1 oh. Formula Racing. Now, you are more of an expert on it than me, but I did happen to see that you and Brett and everyone else – we're kind of chatting about a huge event that happened over the weekend. Not in, maybe not in terms of it, it's not like a world championship or anything like that, but it does with, have the events, that, exactly. that with the world
1: championship implications, exactly. And with the events that
0: transpired, it was pretty big news over the weekend. If you want to, you know, recap that for us. All right, so
1: here's the skinny. Uh, Formula One <laughs> uh, was this week was at Silverstone in England uh, for the uh, British Grand Prix. The British Grand Prix is as close as you can possibly get to Formula One's home Grand Prix. It's a very, very important race. Um, and this uh, year could not be any more different. Uh, not only did we have a different format for the week of events as, than we usually have, we had a new component to the race weekend called the sprint race. So now the format is you have practice sessions, you have qualifying for the sprint race, And the way everybody filters—and however everybody filters out for the sprint race determines your positioning in the uh, Grand Prix itself. So the sprint race is just qualifying. So qualifying is actually qualifying for the qualifying, and qualifying is qualifying for the uh, British Grand Prix. That was a lot to understand. Don't worry about it. We're moving on. (laughs) Um, No, the biggest thing that happened this weekend was on the very first lap, actually, of the race. I thought it was on the second, but it ended up being right from the get-go. Um, at the very end. So there's this um, turn at the end of the pit straight. So the pit straight is where everybody goes into the pits as obviously it's usually the longest uh, straight part of the track um, at most uh, racetracks in the world around the world. And there's this corner at Silverstone uh, called Cops Corner. It's C-O-P-S-E. Uh, that corner is very, very fast, like really fast. You'll, you'll take it. You'll go into that corner at like 170, 180 miles an hour. It's fast. It's not like your hairpin. It's not a U-turn. It's nothing like that. Um, so our two main characters for this weekend, as I'm closing in on the last 10 seconds of the show are, um, take a,
0: listen, we can go, we can go along. Okay, yeah. cool.
1: New release is not up next by the way. So <laughs> sorry to disappoint. Um, our two main characters this weekend are um, our front runners for this year 's a world driver championship, the one that everybody cares about um, they are Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen Lewis Hamilton, seven time championship seven time champion going for eight, breaking the tie with Michael Schumacher, cementing his title as one of the greatest to ever do it. Probably the greatest to ever do it if he does win eight that is yet to happen that is uh, yet to unfold we 'll see this year how this year goes, but he got one step closer this year because he did win. And he won in a very strange way. Uh very unfortunate for Max Verstappen, who um Mercedes said they would have to basically find a way to DNF him going into this um They found in- a way. And they did. Um Lewis got into a racing what we would call a racing incident. So it's just kind of like a heat of the moment instance where one car goes off and another one, you know, keeps racing and you know, it it's um it's difficult to explain over the radio, but uh Max goes wide to give Lewis space going into Cop's corner. Uh, Lewis takes way more space than he probably should have uh, to the point where his apex, so basically his trajectory, would run straight into Max's. They both kind of play chicken. It's Max's corner technically, which is to say that uh, he had the right away. Max has the right of way. Uh, Lewis does not get out of the way, uh, and he shunts him straight into the runoff at like 160 miles an hour. Out of the race. Out of the race. Uh, Max Verstappen and slams it into the tire wall. At the end of the straight, um, at the end of the runoff, um, at fifty-one G's. For those of you at home, that's fifty-one times the uh, the weight of gravity. So let's say I weigh a hundred pounds. Um, at fifty-one G, I weigh five thousand one hundred pounds. I think that's how that works. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because that'd be five. Yeah, that's absolutely. So it's a huge impact. Cracks his ribs. Walks off under his own power, but he's done. Um, Mercedes get 25 points on them that week, so, and Max obviously gets zero, so the, race, uh, so the race for the World Driver Championship is a lot closer. Huge implications. This is a shame because I, I know we, I can go over, and I really wouldn't like to talk about in detail, you know, um, Ferrari's Charles Leclerc being able to finally get back on podium for Ferrari for the first time in over a year. Um, it, they've, they've gone through an, a terrible dry spell over um, in, in Italy. But uh, they're finally back in to some capacity. And uh, we can't even celebrate that. You know, um, Lando Norris, another um, Englishman, having a tremendous outing this year. Or um, tremendous outing for this race. And, he, and we can't really, we can't talk about it because of this main story. Right. And there's a lot of discussion, well, should the stewards have gone harder in terms of the penalty that Lewis Hamilton would have gotten? Because ultimately, if you get a net swing of 50 points... In in like a ground in one grand prix weekend, that's huge. That's like worth the price of admission. Like if you lose ten seconds on a race versus making sure that you are twenty five points closer to winning the championship, like what would you take? You would take the ten seconds every single time. Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, like I, I at first, like at first glance, like everybody wants. It's not that everybody wants Lewis to lose. It's just that we want something else. This man is one. Uh, something like six of the last seven. World we just wanted to, to
0: earn it, right? Like to have <laughs> yeah, a worthy adversary. Yeah, and like it doesn't that.
1: help that their his like the team's behavior, especially. It wasn't just Lewis. The team's Coffee. behavior afterwards. It's like we earned like they. So for for context, they haven't won the last five races. Um, it's all been so they're kind of just and,
0: like a, a spoiled child not getting. Yeah. What they it's want. like they
1: finally like we finally won one. We earned this one. We really broke through no, this didn't. time. And it's like nah, no, you, you didn't. You, you, you didn't. Like you, you shouldn't. Like sure, it was a race incident, but you shouldn't like go out and quote about the way you won this week. Like this weekend, you just kind of like celebrate. we're just happy we got the win, um, and you just kind of keep your head down and look for um, look to the other side of the uh, summer break if we're having one. I don't even remember where or when <laughs> the next race is. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm hopeless when it comes to that. But um, but they didn't. They decided to really really lean into the villain role that they've had for the past few years. I mean this year when um or for qualifying the first round of qualifying this season or for this week uh you know the uh team principal for uh Mercedes is like at the when when they placed one two they're like the empire strikes back like yeah. we're back, and um they're really leaning into that heel role and it, it's a shame that we can't you know hate them back for it as much as we'd like to because Lewis did catch some heat online on the internet um through, through you know Twitter and Instagram, stupid, just stupid you know nasty comments like nasty that. comments from from un, like people that kind of takes away from like we should be able to hate like be able to just hate them freely in the sense of like you know like oh man you guys are the the villains but like now we have no, they to, have
0: to take it a step further and we have for to, those yeah. yeah for the and we have everyone to take, knows what we're talking everybody
1: about. we all have to like take a step back and say like this this language is absolutely unacceptable yeah and it's a shame we have to do that. Complete. Because I, I, it, it takes away from now we've removed like the, the excitement about the weekend to two degrees, right? There's the crash itself, and then the the reaction to the crash online.
0: Complete Venn diagram of idiots.
1: Yeah.
0: Rashford, Saka. Oh, Sancho, it's the same. It's the same people. Lewis Hamilton. Complete it's Venn diagram people. of idiots and doing and the same like, exact thing.
1: It's a. Uh, we're not really like uh yeah we we don't really talk a ton about this no. this content because you also don't want to give people any attention. Um, that they're clearly seeking because, because uh, a lot of these people, and I mean, you see it all the time on Twitter. It's just you, you like Twitter, like these platforms just in order to get attention, you have to say something absolutely, you know, like shameless, basically yeah. you do you, They're They're in it for the attention and by discussing, um, persons and actions like this, you're just giving them the, the attention that they want. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the skinny of uh, that's that's Formula One in six minutes. That's two laps around Silverstone. <laughs> Actually, a lot shorter. That's like five laps around Silverstone.
0: Thank you for breaking it down for us, Sebastian because it, it, it's really interesting stuff. We don't get to talk a whole lot about it most of the time on Tomahawk Talk because it's you know we're we've in got football a football season, yeah. we're in basketball season, we're in all this stuff that kind of takes up the space, but. I want to give them, you know, take the time to talk a little bit about that because it's interesting stuff that we normally don't get to cover. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Just one more housekeeping note for Tomahawk Talk. Uh, next week, I will not be in the studio. I will be out in California for, for the next week. So we're going to try to come up with some alternate programming for you. If not, that will be the reason why we do not have Tomahawk Talk next week, unfortunately. I will,
1: I will as, the, as the former producer, I mean, Scott technically now has the full yeah. producer role, even though... Yeah, um, I will see if I can scramble together some old heads, and we might have like a like a boomer version of the uh, exactly Tomahawk Talk show. So I'm,
0: I'll be sad. I'll I'll be able to miss that, but I will be on the the West Coast, baby. So yeah, no I promises, about wraps though. Up. I can't I
1: can't guarantee an yeah. old heads podcast.
0: Yeah, if not, you'll know the reason why we are on air, and we'll yep. be right back the week after yep. I am back from California. There, but for this edition of Tomahawk Talk, this has been. Sebastian Andriano joining me on another lovely Monday here in Tallahassee. I've been your host, Luke Hazen, and this has been the Tomahawk Talk show on WVFS. Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.